And we are live here at the Cafe Hangout. I am John Pollock, along with Waiting. This show does not officially start until Waiting proclaims us live. So thanks to all of you that are tuning in today, uh, our Double Double Ice Cap and Espresso patrons. And for those of you that might be listening to this a day later, we welcome everybody. Uh, we have lots to discuss. We are going to be taking your phone calls later on. You can feel free to Skype in. But leading off, uh, one of our good friends, a man who goes uh, back many, many years with us from our prior incarnation, joining us here at the post office for the very first time. You know him from his work with the NWA and Lightning One. They've got the Crockett Cup coming up on Saturday night, April the 27th. It's going to be taking place from Concord, North Carolina. A pleasure to welcome Dave Lagana to the Cafe Hangout. Dave, how are you doing today? Hi guys. Uh, as as we discussed prior to starting, the, I, I, the you guys used your power and influence to get rid of the landscapers, so we will not have an I Want Wrestling like podcast. So, oh, I, I was looking forward to the ambience. We got we got the warning ahead of time from you. I was uh, well, we, we we welcome all noise. So I can't I can't I cannot ensure that my cat monkey. Yes, I have a cat <laughs> named Monkey. I also have a monkey named Cat who uh, might be running around crazy. Uh, meowing as loud as he can. Well, if there's, one, if there's one thing I've learned, our listeners love pets in the background. They're, they're yeah. big fans, so very welcoming right. group. Uh, it, it's great that we uh, have gotten to get you on. Actually, uh, we should have done this a lot sooner since we uh, launched the site back in the end of 2017, but it was great uh, just totally randomly running into you uh, WrestleMania weekend at the hotel we were staying at and uh, had a great time over pizza. Yeah, it was... Uh... You can thank the good folks at Apple for their terrible battery life on some of their phones. As I was leaning against a wall, charging my phone, I actually was staring you down for two or three minutes like a creeper in a hotel would. And here we were, and we went and had pizza with uh, way too tall Todd Martin and uh, a few other folks. Yes, it was uh, the best non-recorded podcast of the weekend, I thought. Uh, oh, there was there, there were definitely scoops dropped that uh, I will be selling for nine ninety nine in my DMs. So you have you probably are doing as much traveling as ever at, at the moment. What is uh, what is like the typical week like for you now, uh, Dave, in terms of just uh, the, the travel? And is it just a, a constant for you of going every which way? Yeah, I, I'd have to look. I think if you go all the way back to almost a year. A year ago this week, we went to China. Uh, so I think I've traveled. 50 out of 52 weekends in a row, you know, basically of the last year, my, uh, my frequent flyer last year, I did 147,000 miles on American. Uh, and for example, last week, actually since WrestleMania, so obviously it was at WrestleMania, came home and then turned around and went and did the, the ring of honor shows. Cause obviously our partnership with them. And I was looking forward to a weekend home, but, uh, going to Baltimore to shoot some more stuff for Crockett cup. Um, and then we got Crockett Cup. So I, I'm pretty much every weekend, but there are, like, I'm going to go for right straight from Crockett Cup to the Cauliflower Alley because Nick Aldis is presenting Dory Funk with an award that will be coming to 10 pounds of gold as we continue our uh, never boring series with Dory. You know, he's fascinating, and, you know, seeing him be honored in this is a great honor for us. So I'll be home uh, six days of the next 17. My cat is looking at me like, why, do you, why have you forsaken me? That's that's just unbelievable. As we go back to uh, WrestleMania weekend, I mean, you got to be there, uh, you know, filming at Madison Square Garden. Uh, 
what what kind of a feel did you get from someone? You know, you've obviously you you've worked at the arena before. You have you kind of seen the the importance. But what kind of a statement was this uh, in your estimation uh, that ROH was attempting to make? Did you feel it was uh, a successful night for the company? Because in, in many ways, I looked at that as kind of the most interesting event of the weekend because of the historical significance and just the the message that it did send. Yeah, it was uh, it was a unique event. You know, I think I think the the event was sold not on any matches. It was sold on an idea. And I think what's interesting in, in 2018, 2019 wrestling is a really good idea can sell as opposed to these super dream matches. And I think the if I would have told you a year ago today that 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 all in was going to sell all those tickets so quickly and that the garden would sell these tickets so quickly and all these shows that were not WWE would be doing so well. I think you wouldn't, uh, I think you uh, wouldn't believe it. So um, for me, you know, obviously I worked at the garden at for WWE from 2002 to 2008, you know, in August of last year, Billy sold out the garden, you know, and, and literally the place where the guys walked out on stage is right where Billy played last year. So like, it's been this really unique, um, especially say like experience for me personally for ring of honor you know i'm not sure exactly what their goal was potentially that they were hoping to walk out of with it you know my my inclusion in their world is to give sort of a different set of eyes with with the pinnacle and stuff you know we're not involved in their creative process at all really my job is to go there and to give a different view or uh, of their world and that's why sort of the pinnacle piece was it's great. Like I walked into the environment and I looked up the stairs to the entranceway and it was like the beautiful ceiling. And it was like, and all this great lighting that they've done. And, you know, I started shooting all the battle Royal guys and it just felt right that these moments of, of you seeing what the guys are seeing. And, and my approach with 10 pounds of gold and all the doc stuff is I've been very lucky to be quote unquote behind the scenes of pro wrestling for 18 years now and i want people to see what i see or what the guys see in a way that they've never seen before and it's not staged you know it's as real as it can be and that's what i hope to accomplish with at least what we produce lightning one for the garden show you've really had a a front row view dave of of like all these major events that have occurred especially over the past year uh between all in to you know this msg show do you feel like at least as it relates to, you know, something like uh, this Ring of Honor, um, uh, a current incarnation. It, it, do you feel like it's, it's, it's a peak that we've reached right now in terms of like this heightened popularity for this indie uh, or, or non-WWE boom? I think it's really sort of what happens from here. I don't think anybody could have predicted sort of the way the, the ball curved, you know, when we got to January as far as how these – you know, these various things were going to go. Billy said, and I think it was the uh, uh, All In Coming series, might have been the second episode, you got this giant monolithic starship over here that's kind of putting this giant shadow over all these small rebel forces. And if, you know, these rebel forces could all work together, you could have a shot in taking down this monolithic starship. It's one of my favorite quotes he ever sort of came off the cuff. Well, that didn't happen. So now it's an interesting way the universe goes and obviously you know WWE just signed Shane Strickland, Kushida and Garza Jr. You know WWE obviously has a, 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 a battle plan of attack to to stockpile talent and guess what that's how they that's how they built from 1984 on so 
you know, where we are now, I think, is really now in the hands of each of these individual companies and what they do from here. You know, each we at the NWA obviously have a very small roster. It's three to five contracted talents, more coming very, very, very soon as far as people that are NWA branded. And our goals are to tell really deep, engaging stories that are leveraged against the historical significance of our brand, hence the Crockett Cup. You know, we, we look for things that are familiar to a uh, to a fan and uh, really sit with them. Like I actually watched this, I'm, I'm YouTube addicted because I, I have ADD and I like to search various things. I don't know if you guys know what the Impossible Burger is, which is the sort of the first genetically engineered burger. And it's it's sort of like that thing, if you can't eat meat, what you can eat. And their plan for that burger was for it to be unremarkable in taste, that it tastes like a hamburger, but familiar if you were to bite a Whopper and the Impossible Whopper where you wouldn't be able to tell a difference. Hmm. And I think that is where, you know, wrestling branding, you know, WWE is the established number one, you know, 1.8 million, 2 million subscribers on their network. The next closest is 100,000. The audience has a taste for WWE. Now it's what you do to make yourself be as familiar, but also stand out. That I think is what the next chapter will be. Uh, I, I'm I might be making a, a bit of a, a stretch here, but you're, you're around so much talent, and it, it seems, and in a strange way, it kind of ties, you know, myself and way with you as well. Like we we all found ourselves at some point in work environments that they weren't quite working, and. Mm-hmm. Thus, branching out on your own, it's like I, I see a lot of the talent today that, of course, money is a giant motivator, but so is happiness. So is being able to be artists out there and to be able to have somewhat uh, control over what you're doing. And I think that that is something that's certainly permeating talent at a younger age now as well, that I might be not making as much as I can somewhere, but the offset to that is a lot of happiness, a lot of control, and as an extension of that, a lot of ownership on your career. Do you yeah. get get that from being around a lot of the talent as you are? It's it's a unique period because, um, like like we, I, you know, we see all the thing about how raw ratings are down. You know, there's a huge pivot. I watched uh, Bob Iger talk about Disney Plus and how Disney is taking a long scale bet on themselves. You know, pulling their library back from third-party licensing, which they it's found money for them to build out a service that's their own unique thing to combat Netflix, which has a 10-year head start on all of these giant media conglomerates. I mean, if you look at what's happened in the last 10 years with AT&T buying uh, Time Warner and these guys all sort of pivoting, like Amazon and, and, and Netflix, you know – I'll just say this. Getting a regular cable television spot right now is not as much of a home run as it was 10 years or 20 years ago, because I'll ask you both. Tell me the last new television show you discovered by simply flipping around on the dial. It doesn't happen anymore. I, I had uh, I had lunch with Phil Rosenthal so randomly the day of uh, of the Garden Show, and he has a Netflix show. And we were discussing that there may never be another Big Bang Theory or Everybody Loves Raymond that, you know, comes on network television and becomes this 15-year hit that goes into syndication because the model is different and how Netflix cycles shows through in three seasons because they own and it lives forever in their world and they don't have to syndicate it. To circle back to what you mean, it's now this creator territory where if you're a creator, you guys know. I mean, look at the growth you guys had. I remember talking to you about 
the show you put on New York City, and it, it's, it's the term we use all the time, brick by brick. You know, you're building something in a loyal fan base that allows you to connect directly. The fact that I can connect directly with our consumers in a way that I don't have to be on television, and our, our YouTube growth has... Um, our YouTube growth has been spectacular. Just putting up Cabana and Nick Aldis from the ROH uh, stream show, but we did it in a way that best served that environment. Instead of saying Nick Aldis versus Colt Cabana was the headline, I understand what YouTube is. Surprising challenger for 10 pounds of gold prior to Crockett Cup. Now somebody might be interested and engages, you know, why we watch television. Surprise, uh, you know, end result. So... Being around talents that are willing to explore new ways of storytelling in an in almost a non-salesy way, because fa- fans want to spend money. You know, look at all the. I, I can only imagine what the average fan spend was in New York City over WrestleMania weekend. Oh, enormous! It, it's it's got to be daunting, and I value every purchase we get. You know, as far as like the people want to support this brand that two years ago was either quoted as dead or a laughing stock. And it shows that if you put focus and attention on anything, you can make it mean something as long as you know what you're trying to get out of it. And you guys obviously know how I feel about the two of you and the work you did at the previous company that now owns a company that I used to work for that tried to screw my boss out of millions of dollars. Um, you know, when you when you take your talents and bet on yourself, anything's possible. And as long as you're, you know, not living in a cardboard box, although that would make a hell of a YouTube series. Um, you know, anything is possible. One of my best friends has a YouTube series where she lives in her car and she ended up getting two videos go viral on the YouTube algorithm. And it now basically she, she could afford to live in her car and have a very comfortable living. You know what I mean? It's crazy. What, what is there? If you actually bet on yourself, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, uh, about you know the NWA's kind of uh, recent um, you know resurgence through you and Billy and uh, specifically like it, it's a company that and a name brand that's so closely tied to tradition and maybe you know um, things that uh, people uh, modern wrestling fans would consider of a prior uh, era, but how do you? kind of merge that with you know obviously from your perspective a very kind of keen interest in modern day technology and new ways of promoting itself what's kind of been yours and billy's philosophies with regards to that we the things that people loved about old school pro wrestling still work in a modern environment meaning you want to be able to know i think ultimately the thing that Never, I never felt as a kid, and maybe when I did, I would stop watching a product. Like I, I know I didn't watch a lot of ESPN, AWA, because it just didn't appeal to me. I found some of the stuff not to be great, but then you'd have the Rockers, you know, against Doug Summers and uh, Blank and Buddy Rose. Well, that appealed to me. I think the approach is simple: create compelling content that allows somebody to almost get lost in the reality of it. You know, what's real and what's not. Trust me, a lot of the Cody Nick Aldis story was 100% real. What was not was never shown. I think people want to believe, and obviously, as you know, a lot of businesses are based upon well, what happened backstage that seemingly rendered the results on screen to not matter. We like to blur the lines to the point where you know the lines are not being blurred and you can get lost in the story. The fact that Nick Aldis and Marty Skrull are friends and have been friends for a long time makes this match very interesting because instead of uh, somebody in our organization leaking, well, what the finish could be discussed in advance, 
which does nothing for no one other than a website that's charging $9.99 for that information, you know, we want the fan to wonder what's going to happen and that they hopefully if we do our job right with the 10 pounds of gold docs, the, the segments we produce the Ring of Honor, you know, the social content um, and really understand what an audience wants. It's just like, do you want the ending of Star Wars spoiled? No, you want to be able to go to the theater and not be inundated with uh, fantasy booking, which I think may have hurt the last Star Wars. So our approach has been simply create compelling characters that feel as real as possible. And I think, you know, Dusty Rhodes was a real character. Ric Flair was a real character. Arn and Tully were real characters. Luthez, Harley Race, everybody that we bounce off of, we have tried to take their model of presentation into our world and never let the um, never let our world sort of skate off of there. So like sort of offline interviews like this, I think can be a little bit, but especially in our world, we never sort of pull the curtain back past where we want you to see. Did you get a chance uh, the night of all in? Because I thought that was just such um, a great moment for you guys with, with Nick Aldis and Cody, because you take a match that when it was announced, I, I don't think that there was a, a giant clamoring. It was, okay, this is match. And you guys systematically built that match up to the day of this felt as big as any match. And that explosion for the finish, uh, that, that to me was the, the moment of that show at, at All In. I thought that it was just such an unbelievable atmosphere. I was so glad I was in the arena for that. And to me, that was when I think of All In, that is the match I go back to. And I just thought it was an incredible achievement to take a match that started at this level and it grew through storytelling, through the videos that you guys put out. And to see that in, in actuality in execution, get that kind of reaction. I mean, that had to be a really crowning achievement for you guys. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it, it was a process just even to get the match. I want to say in the ring, just even announced because there were those involved in the show who didn't see it. And didn't want it. They didn't think it fit what they were attempting to do with All In. And, you know, if you've known me long enough, I, uh, I'm i pretty forward thinking as far as like, well, I'm going to try. And this was always what bugged me about sort of time at WWE. You know, I was, you could be told, well, that won't work. And you'd be like, okay, but how will we ever know if it won't work if you don't try it? You know, so great. I don't, I don't, I have a simple uh, philosophy with our boss. We want to try it. Okay. As long as he understands the thing, we tried it. And, you know, Cody was on board once, once we sort of worked out the business end of it and people's react. I, I'll never forget that day. Cause we, we stacked the store. We, we knew, we knew the reaction. We knew people will go, Oh, Magnus, you know what I mean? Would be their first reaction. Cause they maybe hadn't seen the stuff we'd done to that point. I remember certain websites going, well, obviously they're going to take Magnus out because, uh, you can't do that match at all in. And so that's why when we announced it, it was we stacked it in a way that Billy announced the title will be defended. Then Cody was like, oh, Billy forgot. I'll be wrestling for it. So you were left wondering what was there, which allowed Nick as a character and in reality play off of what people thought. He goes, no, I'm going to be the NWA champion. I don't care what you people think. And this is that's where the dealer line, you know, he that's when he went face to face with Cody and said, hey, if you become ROH champion, you put that up. That's the, you know, so it, it was always sort of off of reality and pivoting, even the Flip Gordon stuff, because everybody thought that Flip was going to do this and get in. And that's the best part is you let people's minds sort of fill in the gaps and you take them to the edge, you know, and, and, 
everyone committed to this. You know, Cody went out of his way to participate in what we wanted to do. So, like, for example, when Billy sold out Madison Square Garden, there was a window for me to go and interview Cody in Atlanta. So I finished with Billy at the Garden and I flew down to Atlanta, spent two days shooting the bulk of the interviews with him and Brandy, you know, the family, all that training footage. We got that done in a day. And that became the base of that while also following Nick around. Everybody committed, no matter the time, to make sure that when that match got in the ring, and I think we knew the night before because I had cut the the SARM video with with uh, a little tease of it, and you just you felt the energy in the room, and it was the only match that had any build. Everything else was a dream match that solely was built on a graphic. And so we took the opportunity with the oxygen around All In to make something that felt historic. And I think your reaction on the pin, you know, I, I, it's weird. I didn't feel it that day because I was literally the farthest away from the ring. I was, you know, I had hired Kenny Johnson and a guy named Lex to do sort of the documenting from various angles as, as C camera that day, I had what I called the sting shot, which was the shot on the stage all the way back. I was the furthest back. So like when the pop happened, I saw it and you know how sound travels, but it was when I sat down edit the piece and we found that i mean obviously anyone ringside knew the sound the bell rang and those people just lost their mind and it was 2018 and the nwa and and nick aldis and cody rhodes who two years earlier you know everyone went oh stardust and magnus we're getting the loudest reaction and a 38 second uninterrupted standing on their feet uh, applause to me was as big a moment as when cody won and to me i think that showed the work of everybody involved and I think what's great is, is it still stands the test of time when we're talking about it nine months later. And that's a very rarity in pro wrestling that something sticks like that. And, you know, when I saw all the best of awards and all that stuff, and I didn't see the match listed on a lot of top tens, that is something that to me stands out is that, that, that an audience of, of 10,000 people who paid and maybe didn't pay to see that match, but were so engaged in the story, gave it the reaction there's no list it needs to be on because it stands on its own. On a show that I feel like was so much built on, you know, something like like being the the elite and maybe more more of a comedic, you know, tone that that I think the Bucks and Cody have really established in kind of another form. I I thought it was really telling how coming out of it, most of the talk was about how great kind of this classic form of storytelling that you and Nick and and uh, and Cody did on on Ten Pounds of Gold. Uh, ended up, you know, uh, making for the most talked about and most memorable memorable moment of the show. I wanted to ask you, you know, like after such a great, you know, um, I would say appearance on such a big show, how do you feel like the NWA yourselves have followed up on that buzz since All In with uh, with regards to Nick Aldis and, and Cody's run and everything you've been doing on the YouTube so, you know, we obviously followed, we, we knew sort of when the match was agreed upon, we knew the rematch would be, no matter what, would be at the NWA 70 show. And, you know, that event grossed over $100,000. The NWA grossed over $100,000 with its first event, you know, for, for and, and had a very good show. Was it the same as All In? No, because we wanted to establish, again, a more realistic, you know, serious-based thing. You know, there's still comedic elements. I mean, Josephus will never win a... Uh, Dave Meltzer five-star award, but he is a throwback to a Kevin Sullivan type of character. You know, we, we like exploring characters, and I think that's what, you know, when you hear people talk about what they loved about wrestling in the 80s, it was, you know, while, while Ricky Steamboat and uh, 
uh, Randy Savage is, you know, the, the, the iconic match of that decade, along with Flair and Steamboat, you know, it was characters and moments. So we've moved forward with that. And obviously we announced at the 70th show that Crockett Cup was going to be coming. And we've just been focused sort of reestablishing Nick through this run and seeing where it goes. And then so when the Marty opportunity came up in January, we saw that as an opportunity to do another uh, big main event. And, and we look at it like money matches. You know, the, the, Nick calls himself a prize fighter. So we want these matches to feel big as opposed to, you know, and I love Seth Rollins, somebody I worked with early in my career. He wrestles on Raw every week for 25 minutes. Eventually matches stop feeling special because you see them all the time. So that's been our approach. And, you know, our partnership with Ring of Honor has been uh, unique, to say the least, because, you know, Nick has been featured on their events. And here we are walking into an event that features talents from New Japan and CMLL. And our hope with Crockett Cup is it becomes a yearly event that we could tour around promotions. And we're open to working with anybody and talk to everyone in the last year because what I think Billy and I and Nick and everyone involved bring a level of experience that is hard to find on the independent market. As everybody gets signed up and siloed, we're this sort of outlier here willing to work with anybody. Literally, we'll take any phone call. And some people don't get it. Some people looked at what we did in All In and said, that doesn't fit our brand. That's great. Our brand is very simple and, and its approach. And I'm, we're very happy with where we are. Because as you guys are, we're in 100% control of where this brand goes, which prior to 2012, the NWA was run by 32 people that used to argue over the price of paper clips. And it's why the brand sort of suffered for years. Uh, let's just look here. Uh, these are the brackets uh, that you guys have introduced for the, the Crockett Cup that night, which again is happening Saturday night, April 27th. Uh, it's going to be Crimson and Jack Stane taking on the winners of a wild card battle royal that will happen earlier in the evening. Flip Gordon and... You guys Sorry, Dave. Did you guys enter? Uh, we have not entered uh, the wild card battle royal. We will be uh, okay. we will be curious onlookers for sure. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. <laughs> uh Flip Gordon and Bandito against Guerrero Maya Jr. and Stuka Jr. from CMLL. Brody King and PCO versus Yuji Nagata and Satoshi Kojima. And then the Briscoe Brothers versus Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express. I think the I think this bracket is outstanding. Any tournament, as I was saying earlier this week, where you can put Ricky Morton, Yuji Nagata, and PCO all in the same tournament, I, I just think that this is kind of what people grab to because I think one of the big things, Dave, is that when people see matches, there's a certain factor of what is that match going to look like? And mm -hmm. that seems to be something you've really tapped into here. It was, uh, you know, it, we, had, we had reached out to these promotions and, and asked who they could send. And once we sort of got a available list, you know, full disclosure, we wanted Liger. You know, we thought Liger would be great, but he is a big part of the tour going on at that time. And, you know, we respect you know, New Japan's business they're looking to do. You know, we wanted something that touches upon, you know, Yuji Nagata has a, he had a huge impact in WCW. Kojima was a former NWA champion. As soon as those names, it felt good. And then you look, hmm, PCO has got a resurgence. That match is unique. And then, you know, the idea of the Rock and Roll Express against the Briscoes, which I don't know if it's happened before. I was told maybe once before, you know, but in this type of tournament, that's unique. And then obviously, you know, as, as I put on Instagram today, the, you know, the, the high flyingness of Bandito and Flip against Stuka and Guerrero Meyer Jr., which, you know, I told were both exceptional talents. And then, you know, Crimson and Jax, who are sort of an old school road warrior type team against whoever this wild card 
coming out of this battle royal will be. Um, you know, it's it's a unique thing, and and it's there's almost a little something for everyone on this show, like Jazz and uh, Allison K, aka Sienna. You know, as a women's match, and Willie Mack and Colt Cabana, and and you know, it's it's a it's a unique card that I think. If you sit down and watch, the goal is that you feel like you're transported into 1986, and that will be evident as far as production, graphics, you know, um, set pieces, and how it looks. This will not look like a normal Ring of Honor show, and you know, we we are hoping to establish a completely different vibe. That so an old school wrestling fan, even even the ring aprons will be closer to '86 than uh, 2019. Any truth that uh, Crimson and Jack Stane, the War Kings, are going to be rebranded the Kingly Experience? What was the name? I actually sent uh, I sent Crimson a, a new name for them. Uh, where is it? Hold on. This is this was either really good or really bad. I was uh, I had to text a lot of people. I had a name for him. Uh, the Army Experience. That was, that was, <laughs> it's going to be the running gag for like the next two weeks. I feel I'm surprised right. it's had yeah, this I mean, life already. That here we are on Thursday, and it seems to be like it, it's usually like it's a it's a 12 to 18 hour cycle, and then people move on to whatever the next thing is. But this one's had some staying power this week. Well, well, it's by the way, if they would have come out as the War Raiders, it would have been completely unremarkable. Correct? Yeah, you're right. There would not be uh, a certain uh, attachment to uh, a naming convention had they just stayed put. Yeah. By, by the way, WWE stock is somewhere about $96. So, um, they can call uh, them whatever, whatever they I want. I would be the experience if, if, if I can get a stock and be worth as much as there. Just going back to these brackets for, for the Crockett Cup, I mean, you know, uh, names like, you know, the Rock and Roll Express and also PCO and Brody King, I, I mean, I, I, I have to ask, you know, if this Crockett Cup took place maybe two years ago, do, do you think that it, these brackets would have looked the same or... I, I mean, it really feels like maybe coming off of something like a Joey Janela spring break, there seems to be a, a, a much more of a uh, uh, a free willingness to just take chances with, you know, not necessarily putting on the best high flyers or the greatest technical wrestlers that are out there right now and maybe doing more like, hmm, like, what the hell? Like, let's give it a shot type, type of, you know, matchups. Well, especially... Um... You know, there will be at minimum seven tag matches, I think, on that show. And, you know, the tag team wrestling formula is very similar. So just even laying out these, it was I went with the idea and so did Billy. of What's the most interesting approach? And, you know, we had an original um, thought process for the Crockett Cup that didn't come to fruition due to talents getting signed you know, certain political lines that couldn't get crossed. And one day I'll talk about it because I don't want people to feel like, oh, that sounds like a better thing. But some things aren't possible. And and we had hoped to uh, – the goal of this relaunching this tournament is that we can expand it. You know, I, I, my favorite, oh, I'm so disappointed. I wanted 24 teams like the original. Okay, well, we, no, two days, you know, okay. You know, that's a budget that, that isn't plausible at this point. You know what I mean? Like It's time, and, too, and, that wrestling fans don't really have to offer. We, we, Dave, we talk about this all the time. It's that – I never, ever, ever have heard someone come out of a wrestling show and say, you know what? That wasn't long enough. I think that, you know, time is so limited for people that yeah. it's like that to me. It's like, well, I went to one of the WrestleCon shows, the U.S. versus the world. They were in and out. It was two hours. And I thought yeah. like what that was. Uh, I thought, great. Like, let's not overstay our welcome. And I think that's a, a kind of lost thing amongst some companies today. Yeah. And, and, you know, our approach with this, you know. 
I, I, I'm, we're still playing with the format, but these tag match, the first round will have a time limit on it. So, so that there's urgency to win from a, from a perspective and it allows the audience to know that this just not the, like, like uh, the people, like if a match isn't long enough, you can't, it can't be great. It, like that, that's another thing that bothers me. Like wh- why does a match have to be 38 minutes for it to be at a certain level? I, there, and it's just me, you know, I, I look at it from if I'm an, if I'm a father bringing a son to a show you know, like like to me, I grew up going to NWA shows and WWF shows, and I go back and watch some of these old Spectrum shows on the network, and I, I'm just like, my God, SD Jones and the Brooklyn Brawler going to a 20 minute draw opening the show. If that happened today, I mean, the the level of outrage on Twitter within certain circles would be that it would that the company is dying. You know what I mean? Like, so so putting a show together, you know, I have a little bit of experience doing this over the last 18 years. It's very much like a movie. It's very much like a night out. We want to make sure that it it has its peaks and valleys, flows nice, characters are built, and you have a good time. You know what I mean? Like like this is people's time, money, and energy. They're getting out of their house. You know, they're driving to an arena. They're they're getting there two hours early to sit in their seats and tweet and take pictures and like like that. Take that very seriously and. You know, we need more casual wrestling fans. We need people that want a night out, that don't want to spend a f ton of money, you know, to to do it. Like sometimes look at these ticket prices and go, who are these people? Like, like eight hundred dollars or a thousand dollars. Like, what was ringside for WrestleMania this year? Twenty five hundred dollars? You know, it's like that's it's, what it's I mean. A- SummerSlam is coming up here to Toronto, and yeah, you had I think it topped out at around twenty three hundred dollars. And I mean, to their credit, they're selling these tickets, which is. Um, well, it's amazing. And and by the way, there will always be, and by the way, our $100 ringside sold out first. So, you know, there, to me, there's a responsibility to respect someone's time and their money so that they get their value. So like this, these tournament brackets, they're fun for me. You know what I mean? And the wild card thing will be interesting. You know, I think people's minds may outpace what it could be, but the idea of, uh, we wanted to set a format that we could expand and play with moving forward and it's a very simple show. It's three NWA title matches and the Crockett Cup tournament. You know, there's not, it's, I mean, what, how many matches does WrestleMania have? Although I actually think the show will have, it has 11 matches. You know, they had 18 matches and performances and, and attendance announcements. And, you know, they put on a spectacle. But also, their business is based upon watch time. Yeah. The executives get bonused on watch time, not out of fan enjoyment. You know, and, and the fans that still, I mean, look at the, the StubHub, the cheapest ticket on StubHub day of event was five hundred dollars for WrestleMania. They they found a market of people that are willing to spend a lot of money for these big events, and that's great. I'm very happy for them, and it's good for the business. And I think fans now have more than ever the ability to sit at home and watch everything too. So it's this weird. You can go sit ringside for twenty five hundred dollars for SummerSlam, or you can watch on the network for basically free or nine dollars a month and get almost the same view. And if you haven't tried the VR, I got one of those Oculus headsets by my good friend Todd Martin, who's a huge VR fan, um, <laughs> wears it all the time. Uh, he, you know, I actually, the WWE VR experience is actually pretty interesting and yeah. shines a light on what is coming 10 years from now. But like these experiences, the fact that you can be literally almost in the ring, it, like I watched the Ronda, uh, Ronda and uh, Charlotte Flair match from Survivor Series. It's a completely different experience with their sort of corner post camera 
and like being as close as can be that like you just can't get anywhere else. So like like that to me shows that what's coming and, and how people will enjoy events depending on what they spend. As you're looking ahead to, to the months to come and there's no one right answer to this question, but what is kind of the the big story for you that you feel 2019 will answer? Because I, I just it's one of those years that I think we will be talking about for years to come because of so much that is still in motion and shifting and we, we may not have all the answers by the end of this year either of th- this changing climate well it's sitting here today knowing that WWE is going to fox on october whatever you know AEW is uh teasing uh their television deal which will be good for the marketplace um, whatever happens with us in Ring of Honor moving forward, it's really about the business intentions and growth of these brands and what happens from there. You know, you know, we joked that 2018 was going to be nuts and 2019 uh, is going to be fire. I, I had a tweet. I think it might. I don't think it's pinned in. Like, you just don't know. And all we're focused on is, is what we can get done. And if you knew the size of our staff, I think your staff is bigger than our staff. Um, and it's really all sort of, it's, it's, it's about what you can get done. And, and, and people joke when Billy City a 20 year plan and, you know, being almost two years into the plan, I don't think anybody thought we would be this far two years in with only running technically one show to have these moments that people remember instead of trying to run volume and we're touring and we're doing 36 live events. You want, I want everything we put out to matter that your time is worth it. What everybody else's approach, that's their business. And, you know, we've not been shy about sort of uh, our approach, you know, every like to build a YouTube channel from scratch, to, to, do, to partner with companies to bring not only our expertise, but talent and the ability to help grow. You know what I mean? Like, like these are, these are, this is our approach, but what, like that's what's going to be interesting is, why are why are people doing what in this new environment? And if you kind of boil it down and look at sort of people's intentions on why they're doing the business they're doing, it'll sort of shine a light on on what's to come. And ultimately, you got to put your audience first. You have to identify your ideal customer and create content in a way that speaks to them, that they feel engaged and want to see what happens. You know, just just booking a super card for the sake of a super card will draw to a certain niche, but you want to find characters that identify to the largest possible audience, get a reaction and go. I'll bring up my good friend, the boogeyman who might be hands down the worst wrestler that has ever been in WWE to make WrestleMania within the first four months. There's a lesson in character growth that people anticipate things and want to see a payoff. And hopefully the match is good, you know, and, and I know I can engage a bunch of trolls who will, will tell me how wrong my opinion is. Um, Happy to, I'm happy to read your feedback when I look at my Twitter two times a day now because I, one of the best things, and I think I talked to you guys about this at WrestleMania, I deleted Twitter from my phone and Instagram, and it's been hands down the best experience. I now enjoy wrestling a lot more because I don't have to worry about hot takes on the Viking experience until I want to deal with it. Yeah, completely agreed. Um, I wanted to ask you maybe finally, Dave, um, you know, you're very uh, caught up on, on digital trends, social media trends. What do you think is something that, you know, in wrestling, we don't see enough of that you feel like uh, all promotions could use, not just yourselves, but the WWE and, and everything, everybody else? I think it's understanding 
like, like you know each individual experience like like now the fact that uh, Ring of Honor broadcasts every one of their events. That's, I mean, like, that if you're really a hardcore fan, that you could follow this weaving narrative at any time. But I think what's, what's, I think because there's so much content, it's making more out of less, mm-hmm. but still providing the, you have, you have three, almost three buckets of fans. You have the online only, you have the people that go to live events, and then you have the super casuals. You know, and you have to figure out how to tell your stories that engage in all of them. And I think what we've tried to do, at least from our approach, is, you know, if, for example, the Cody match, we had weeks of buildup across multiple promotions and uh, content that came out in various places from Ring of Honor television to YouTube to um, private private Twitter feeds with video you have to make the content and under and the story easy enough to digest. I think shows for the sake of shows don't help grow a brand. You have to you have to have a, a it's you got to look like any story. What's the quest somebody's on? You know, Marty Skrull's quest is really unique right now. He's come close a whole bunch of times. And Nick Aldis in the next confrontation we bring up talks about he hopes Marty doesn't choke again because Marty's had three world title matches that he hasn't won. And that's a really interesting thing is this sort of big brother, little brother story. And it's finding these stories that we all attach to that allow people to enjoy in a commonality uh, approach. And I think to me, that is the greatest skill we have as storytellers. Like, for example, I posted that Jim Cornette, uh, Jim cut a promo with a fan. I asked a fan to go shoot Jim Cornette, cutting a one minute promo to sell tickets. And he still can talk like guys don't. I, I, if I ever, I always say, if I ever see a poster with 38 faces promoting an event, that post that that event will not sell out, because it does not sell me the event. It's just it's just a lazy poster that someone threw together because they didn't know what story they were telling. And you know, I think you have to use these digital environments to tell your story instead of just selling all the time. Meaning, like, like you like engage the audience and make their time worth it. Even the six seconds they they scroll by, the picture better be engaging. The, the the video may be engaging. The promo must be engaging. You have to understand how people use these things, and we're just bombarded with information. And and now in wrestling, it's like constant ad after constant ad. And trust me, we're doing it as we push this event, but also putting in like I I produced a nine minute uh, bracket reveal show. That did a 63 or 67% watch time uh, percentage of people who clicked play. That was the watch time on, on YouTube, which if you guys have ever looked at YouTube stats, is spectacular. The average, I think, is 24 to 30% on various things. So um, so it's like to me, it's making people's time worth it. I think raw being three hours isn't the problem at times. I think the problem is that segments end up not mattering. Finishes end up not being impacting the overall larger creative moving forward. Like somebody brought up that like Shane promised to fire everybody if they lost a Survivor Series and it wasn't followed up. It's just make people's time worth it. That's all. And I think you see the brands that get great reactions. Like uh, were you guys in the garden for, uh, for for New Japan, right? Yes. Yeah. I was blown away by the depth that that audience knew everything going on with New Japan. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you know, I told Adam Swift the credit to. Access TV, because I think in the U.S., I think it's 30,000 subscribers on um, on New Japan World. Now, while maybe all 14,000 people in there were New Japan subscribers, 
you know, I think the depth of reach of access and, and New Japan World and how well they treat their characters came across as well. And I think the, the live audience tells you everything. If they're reacting to somebody, it means they've engaged with your brand in a way or character over time or via content that allows them to really feel part of their journey. And I was asking questions like, who's that guy with the football? Because I didn't know who he was. You know what I mean? Like it was like really well-defined characters where I know their, their wants, desires, and their goals to me is, is, a, is, is a strong approach. And we try that with all of our characters. While limited, our five characters, you know what Nick Aldis wants. You know what Willie Mack wants. While Camille doesn't speak, you kind of know what she wants. Um, you know, Josephus, you understood his story. You know, it's to me, you have to put the energy in what somebody wants. And that's how you have to approach an audience as well. Well, once again, everyone, the Crockett Cup, it's coming up next Saturday night, April 27th, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, you can order it on Fight TV. And as I understand it, Dave, you can, if you are an Honor Club VIP subscriber, that gives you access to the pay-per-view as well? Yes, it's and it's also uh, Fight Honor Club and traditional pay-per-view. So if you're uh, if you're still uh, using your Gerald box, which you have to be an old school 1980s cable kid to understand what that is, um, you know, it's available on traditional pay-per-view as well. And it's you know the fact that I mean it's the it's the smallest thing that the NWA is on pay-per-view in 2019 when you know people always joke that um, that. You know, the first Starcade or the second that Starcade didn't make pay-per-view because of Survivor Series. It's it's a it's a nice little part of the story. Well, very much looking forward to it. It's going to be a Joe Galley, Jim Cornette, and Ian Riccoboni on the call as well, which uh, should be tremendous as well. Uh, Dave, it's always great having you on. Uh, all the best going into this show, and uh, I hope we can have you back in the in the very near future because the time always flies with you. Thank you, gentlemen. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Dave. That was David Lagana, everybody. Uh, Crockett Cup coming up next weekend, April the 27th, which is uh, a very busy weekend. There's actually quite a lot uh, going on. But I, I was really sold when the brackets were released. I really like some of the combinations that uh, this is a show that I definitely want to check out and watch. And it's it's something that I, I really think that they it, it strikes a chord when you hear a company stating that, you know, they're aware that your time is extremely limited and oh. trying to make that is that if you are going to invest in this, we are going to understand that your time is limited and we want to give you a, a concise show. And to me, like that's that's a big selling feature. If we're talking about a company that's, you know, not a New Japan, not a WWE or, or an NXT, I feel like so many wrestling fans just simply don't want to make the effort to carve out that amount of time to dedicate to it. So I think the simpler, the better for a promotion like the NWA trying to capture everybody else's attention. And I think a card that looks like this, relatively simple, you have a tournament and then three title matches on top of that between a bunch of names that I think people are, are pretty familiar with and uh, Nick Aldis, Marty Skrull, Willie Mack, Cole Cabana, Jazz, and, and Sienna, I, I think it's it's a, it's you a imagine, great approach. Like that when PCO and Yuji Nagata are in the ring together, like, that's going to be really cool. And Eugene Nagata is someone that is not typically brought over for the U.S. shows. So yeah, that would be crazy. He's not really over. It's like, dude, it's going to, um, like, Eugene Nagata to me, like, just to see him live would be a really cool deal. Like, if this was happening closer, I would love to go see Eugene I mean, Nagata he's definitely live. a name that's not really being used and profiled on, on a No, on a he wasn't Japan on the show. Garden show. Like, he's, yeah. he's not really brought over here. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, a, it's a chance to see him as well. Um, it, it's funny because after the TakeOver show, uh, there was, like, this media... Um, the, this post event uh, press conference deal with Paul Levesque mm -hmm. and 
I tr- trust me, listeners, I tried very hard to get my question in so I can reveal my question now. But what I wanted to ask about was, you know, we talked, uh, Dave mentioned it, the fact that uh, number of hours consumed, mm-hmm. that's like, there's a direct correlation to like bonuses that executives receive, like the amount of hours you spend. There's a financial incentive why these shows are and so it's long. it's killing their fan base. But you look at the exception that NXT, I'd be very curious what the battles have been that you could probably say, hey, you've got the roster for it. We're making this show two hours or we're making TakeOver five hours instead of three. Mm-hmm. And they've maintained a one hour weekly show and they top out at about three hours for your biggest TakeOver. And that to me says that that has gone against the the metrics that they've been given that would suggest this audience will watch more even if there is vocal complaints about a longer product. And the fact is they have kind of remained steadfast on that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think that kind of goes to more towards the difference in philosophy between an NXT and, and your main roster production. Um, I feel like a re- part of, big, big part of the reason why so many fans are, are gravitating towards NXT uh, while at the same time, you know, completely shelving their, their, their interest in the main roster is because it feels like the NXT product caters a lot more to the fan experience first and foremost rather than profits you know and we know how well they're doing in terms of making profits it's it's not a it's not a money-making machine instead it is seemingly in my opinion done more so as a product whether or not to further paul Levesque's own personal reputation um to cater to the fans experience first all right uh do you want to go to go to some phone calls if we have them yeah uh, you know what let's throw out the phone number if you guys manage to call in we'll we'll make some time for it if not uh we'll we'll get get you guys next week yeah before we wrap up 732-800-4423 we can dedicate the last couple of minutes to phone calls or you can skype in uh by finding us post wrestling and calling in so once again the number 732-800-4423 and let's take a minute to talk about uh friday what's coming up on the site for patrons so coming up on Friday, we have a latest edition of Rewind Away, and uh, it's really, I guess, fitting that we're we're talking about, you know, maybe brevity with our wrestling shows, but uh, we are talking about Pro Wrestling Gorilla's annual Battle of Los Angeles tournament. We are talking about the latest incarnation, 2018. This one chose by Bruce Lord, our executive producer, um, and I'm kind of looking forward to talking about it because it's... You know, again, as I've always kind of looked at bolas, they're like real great snapshots of like highlights of the indie scene. PCO is involved in this one. Uh, Joey Janela is involved in this one. Uh, what are some other names that, that uh, Walter Shingo Takagi? Shin- yep. Um, you mentioned Bandito, um, and it's also you know when we go back and do these shows, like we're not just going match by match by match. It's really kind of a look at like the state of that promotion and kind of just you know a chance to talk for an extended period of time of PWG that we don't always get an opportunity to talk to uh, in an extended format. Yeah, absolutely. So um, looking forward to having this this conversation. It's available. On the Post Wrestling Cafe, which is our Patreon, support our, our site for as little as $6 a month, and you get access to all these bonus shows uh, and more. So, ProWrestlingCafe.com. We have one phone call. What's up, caller? Hello? Hey, how's it going? What's your name? Hey, no. uh, <laughs> oh, I knew oh, it. I knew it. Oh, my God. Damn it. <laughs> What's up? Everyone's so excited. Joining us right now, seaweed ice cream himself from New Jersey. It's Brandon. <laughs> oh, oh man. man, I missed that laugh. I, I wish I got that laugh in person. Brandon, we could go an hour with you here. Let's start. How are you? No, you, no, you could. I'm good. How are you? We're, we're doing fantastic. 
great. That was a great interview, by the way. I know. Uh, Thanks. We're, we're really, really good. That guy could talk for like hours. Well, so can I. Trust me. <laughs> what? And so can uh, you, Brandon. What's on your mind? You should have signed that on the on the card, by the way. Seaweed ice cream. <laughs> Might be a T-shirt. We we'd cut you in. I'll sign up on that. Anyway, um, in all uh, Words you have never said in your life, Brandon, so don't start now. But go on with your point. I'm sorry for interrupting. If I could be serious for, for a second. Um, people were bugging out about uh, – I got two questions. I'll be real quick. People were bugging out about the, uh, the ratings, 26% being down and whatever, uh, with the WWE or whatever. And, I mean, there's so much to watch. I mean, TV isn't the same like it used to be, right? I mean – you can DDR it or you watch anytime you want. I mean, what do, you, what do you think about that? I mean, I don't, I don't think I, I, I'm probably wrong. Probably sound like an idiot, but I, I think I, it's I more so. It's, it's 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 the amount of drop, Brandon. That like you're not seeing that like for for the NBA playoffs, for instance. Like it's it's just it's such a sizable number that I, I feel it's something that you absolutely have to cover and look at. And I think. You know, in our positions, ask that question, like, why is it such a drop? I'm certain, like, it's not like DVRs were invented over the last year. So that that's a factor. Like, the, the fact that you can have a pretty seamless watch of Raw on YouTube, that's a factor, too. Like, all of these are little things, but it's it's not to the extent that you can really explain, in, uh, like, a drop. When you're talking about a quarter of your audience, mm-hmm. a quarter that was watching live on Monday nights a year ago that are not anymore. And I, I think that there's no one right or wrong answer. Even if I think that, you know, much of much of this uh, uh, 26% is going to DVR, I, I mean, ultimately, I think that's a failing, and I think that's a comment on how unbearable your show is to watch live when i think everybody can agree raw or smackdown are far better experiences watching taped or watching in highlight form yeah you know and i mean they as well when they do their uh investors conferences they also do incorporate like the dvr viewership and i mean it, it's not as though it's you know 50 percent of their audience is watching on dvr like it's a relatively conservative percentage as well so i mean there there's just there's a lot of questions about it and I, I think that it's it's certainly something to follow and when you're going into this Fox deal where it's not just maintaining your audience in SmackDown it's trying to grow that audience as well so it's um, anyway what was your other question? Oh I, I, um, the, the dovetail on that one and then I'll get to my other question real quick I mean they're moving to Fox on, on Fridays and like don't they usually show like rerun programming on Fridays? Because, you know, I mean, no one's really watching TV. Everyone's out and stuff like that. And, I mean, are they really just... just well, there was... there was uh, They had sc- uh, scripted dramas airing in that. They had the, the Tim Allen show was airing there prior. And I, I'm not even sure what is uh, airing right there now. <laughs> what... <laughs> Brandon, it's it's, 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 it's really hard. To, he got really serious for for a time. I thought we had we had uh, turned. We, we almost cracked the code of Brandon, yeah. but I, I don't think he'll break for us. No, the laugh um, is back. I, I talked for Tim Allen's uh, Trumpian like TV show that was on Fox. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm not I talking about Home Improvement. There, there was there's a new show with Tim Allen. I'm out of the yeah. loop though, so <laughs> don't don't profess that I'm an expert on scripted dramas right now. Only passions, like I, I was back in the day. Well, that that was, that was yeah. a great show. If they, if SmackDown was up against Passions, well, then call it a day. It's over. <laughs> and one more thing, um, um, Robert Whitaker, you think you should take the rest of the year off after that? That I mean, that, that fight with Yoel Romero that probably took like seven years of his life away. 
I mean, he's going to fight Israel Adesanya. When, when do you I mean, think that? I, I feel that they will do that fight this year. I think it'll happen before the end of the year. Um, I would have, I would guess, though, like, personally, you know, having, you know, Robert Whitaker, he has been cleared to return and train after the, the surgery he had that uh, screwed up the Kelvin fight. But, man, if I'm Israel Adesanya, like... I'm hoping he's not like racing back to fight after that war on Saturday. So, I mean, I would target this for like a November kind of like date to me. That would be uh, a sufficient amount of time for both guys. Uh, I would include Adesanya in there as well. I know. I'm taking a year off after that fight. I, I, Israel beat me up pretty good. Anyway, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm is, is that your, is that your fight of the year, Brandon, so far? Uh, yeah. I, I, that fight was tremendous. I mean, it's either that or Poirier and, uh, and, uh, Which one? And Max Holloway? (laughs) Yeah, that was a good fight, too. Uh, But I like the Israel fight because I think that fight had lots of stuff going on. Uh, Anyway, I'm out of here. All right, thanks, Brandon. Thanks, Brandon. We always appreciate it. As always. You know, that fight was so big that I got a tweet saying, I know uh it doesn't always but i really think you should have way watch that fight i actually did you watched it yeah yeah, oh, yeah. Did I it? Mean, obviously when john pollock says it's the one of the best fights he's ever seen i have to go out of my way to watch it did i and oversell it, you did not it was spectacular um i've yet to watch the main event i mean i will say you know kind of knowing the outcome does kind of take something away but um it it tells me that uh like in most years the main event would win fight of the year and yeah. on this night it wasn't even the best fight of the night but to me Adesanya Gastelum was, uh, to me, uh, easy uh, top 10 yeah. of all time and maybe top five. I thought it was that good. It tells uh, me. It tells but me. I also uh, understand recency bias. So I'm, I, I, I try to hesitate from calling something the best ever so quickly after the fact. No, no. But I think there's still something to be said about like you're, you're such a big reaction. And I think Israel Adesanya, to me, is really feeling like he's he's becoming a breakout star. Yeah. I mean, this... This performance just blew away. Like, his fight against Anderson Silva, I mean, he did not look like this world beater against someone who is is clearly uh, past his prime in Anderson Silva. But this fight, I mean, that fifth round was just uh, legendary yeah. to me that he comes out, it's tied going into the fifth, and he does he pulls out that 10-8. Uh, we got a couple calls, actually. Jake, are you there? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good to talk to you again. Hey, Jake. What's up? Yeah, doing great, doing great. Um, yeah, I just want to expound on uh, expand on the UFC discussion actually um, about you know Brock Lesnar's future. Uh, we we it's still unclear of what's gonna uh, what he's gonna do next. Uh, obviously, we got obviously the possibilities of the Cormier fights. Uh, uh, the Cormier fights will be an absolutely big fight. Um, so I just want to ask you. Um, it, it, I'm guessing it's still a possibility, but um, when and where do you guys oh, do you guys think um, that will eventually take place if it does happen? Cormier and Lesnar, you're asking about? Yes. Yeah. Just, I, just clarify. I'm I'm not of the belief that that fight is going to happen. Ultimately, um, it could. Okay. It, it very well could. I'd be very surprised if Brock doesn't do this Saudi Arabia show that's now being expected to take place the uh, the first week of June, and. I mean, after that, I mean, it's going to come down to the fact UFC is going to offer him something enormous, and I think WWE can match it, and I think that they probably will, and I mean, it's ultimately going to come down to, to me, in, in past years, it was something that the money was just so gigantic for Brock, and I think deep down he wanted to do the fight, and 
Now, I think the money is going to be almost comparable between both because I don't think the WWE is going to have any reservations offering him a ridiculous sum to stay. And it's going to come down to, do I want to go through the hardship of a training camp and fighting someone the level of Daniel Cormier, where I mean, he's hardly going to be, he's not going to be favored in that fight at all. So that's what he's going to have to weigh. So, I mean, the fact he's in the USADA testing pool, it tells me that, He's open to the idea and also understands that, you know, that's that's a leverage play for him. But to me, uh, for Brock Lesnar at his age now, to me, the 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 leverage play is AEW as opposed to UFC at this point. So are all three interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, and I could be totally wrong. Like the fight could happen. Like UFC obviously wants that fight. Daniel Cormier obviously wants that fight. And it's it's going to come down to Brock just p- picking like what is the what is the best option of two incredible options I'm going to have with a potential third in AEW if they want to get into the into the bidding war. Also comes down to how long DC wants to. Well, it's not like it's, it's one and that's how long DC wants it. to fight. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. this will be it for Daniel Cormier, who he fights next, and it's either obviously Brock is the more lucrative fight than a Stipe Miocic rematch. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I see. It's unfortunate though because I do want to see that you know one last up fight. So. For Lesnar, Bo. Uh, another and another question I want to give you guys. Um, I heard the news that uh, FS1 is um, planning on making a uh, planning on making a WWE uh, talk show. Uh, is it going to be like? Is it going to be like uh, kayfabe oriented, or is it going to be like UFC Tonight? Because uh, it's going to be very interesting if it's like if it's like a news show. Uh, to be honest with you, I think it's going to be way closer to the WWE kickoff panel than it was UFC Tonight. I think so too. I mean, hearing the way Paul Levesque was describing it, it's funny how I, I differentiate between Triple H and Paul Levesque when it's about something serious. But he talked about it like almost glowingly as if it was like a brand new concept for a show. So, I mean, I'm at least looking forward to it. But knowing that it's coming from the WWE, I'm not expecting any type of, you know, deep analysis of like the roster or Sasha Banks is not around. Well, What's cons- going on? consider the fact that. Talking Smack very much walked that line, and they got rid of that show they because they thought it was yeah. yeah. So that was I, a complete uh, like relatively unproduced show. We're talking about FS1, so oh, really yeah, you can expect more production. Yeah, like that's right? I'm expecting yeah, like the kickoff panel. Like, so now, how are they going to make the show unique and worth watching? You know? I mean, you can put all the stars on the show, and I think right off the bat, you're going to be putting big names on it, and I think that's what they're going to rely upon. And maybe they throw in like a little nugget here and there for your hardcore audience, but it, it's yeah. designed for. Um, you know, what their larger audience that it's going to be aimed at and how much uh, pushback there is from the Fox audience. Is that something people are going to want or not? And there's also a lot less pressure for that show to perform uh, audience-wise than obviously SmackDown will be. Yeah, that's that's some good points. Can you imagine uh, the pundits, the, the potential pundits they have um, going over the the Saudi Arabia news, which is which is that would be they're, crazy. they're not going to be touching any of it that. It wouldn't though, be Jake. called like, Saudi yeah. Arabia. It'll be. The, yeah, the, I know, I know, I know. Like, I, I know, like, I'm just like oh. if if it's like I'm just saying, like, you know, yeah. it would be really weird if it does happen. So I, it's like you know, UFC is very controlling, but uh, yeah, WWE and Vince, they're like ten times more controlling. So. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, thanks for taking my call, guys. No problem, No Jake. problem. Thanks very much. All right, this person's been trying to call in for uh, the whole time, and I want to try to get to their call. Hello, caller. What's up? Hey, it's Paul from New Jersey. Paul, hey, Paul. from New Jersey. Thank you for uh, staying on the line. What's up? Oh, for sure. I just had a few quick comments, one about the Superstar Shake-Up and one about the Riot Squad. So, yeah. You know, what, what 
really stood out to me from the review of Raw you guys did was John talking about, you know, the ratings being down so bad. And, you know, I think I witnessed this in the sense that I usually get together with another hardcore fan and watch. And our casual friend, John, who just, you know, watches the pay-per-views, he went to your guys' show with me, he decided to come around for Monday Night Raw. And he's asking us hardcore fans questions like, hey, Ricochet and Aleister Black came out. Does that mean there was Raw? And I'm like... Maybe um, that was and, definitely not clear, like clearly, uh, like conveyed until like what we saw that website post, really. Right, and like all throughout the show, he's asking us two hardcore uh, fans these questions, and we don't have the answer. So, if we're not getting this, I can't imagine how a casual fan could sit down and be able to digest any of this and want to come back next week. It doesn't make sense to me. No, I, I think it's a great point, and I think it's it's the thing like we we've said many times over that I think it's a very daunting task to imagine creating new fans as opposed to just maintaining your your hardcore audience that is you know this is their pattern on Monday nights to tune in and watch, and they're in a position where they want to be growing their numbers come the fall. I mean, Raw can afford to kind of splinter down and it's still going to be doing very well for USA Network standards. But um, I, I think it's very hard to create a new fan today when it's it's such a daunting task to follow this product at the level you need to uh, to be up on stuff. And there's people that follow the show that could say that I'm not necessarily rewarded for following all these hours of programming because something may be dropped next week that I'm I'm not even invested in some of these storylines because some of them don't even make its way to fruition. Uh, yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, more to your point to, to Dave, I thought Dave Lugano was fantastic when he was talking about the storyline. Um, again, as a hardcore fan, like talking about the Riot Squad, I know that those girls, like for real life, they love each other. Like Liv Morgan always talks about like how they helped her career. And like you see them on Snapchat and Instagram, they're inseparable. They go on vacations together. Like you would not know anything about that. Um, so like, would it be like even like taking 25 seconds on Raw to see Liv Morgan? Oh, she gets drafted to SmackDown. She tears up and cries and gives those, you know, her uh, Ruby Riot and Sarah Logan a hug. And then, as like a as a viewer, I could say, Oh wow, like this really meant something. You know, I'm gonna root for Liv on SmackDown. I hope she does well. Like it gives me something. All that sounds like really fantastic, but unfortunately, it's not really the way they they tend to like create their their television. You know, I I think what Typically, more happens is just they sit down with the, these pieces of paper and then these names on it, and they decide, oh, this will be good, and this will be good. And these are the people that we are going to feature, and we're going to script their reactions to moving brands, not necessarily capturing their real-life reactions. It's it's more of a TV show rather than something based on real feelings and reality, even though, like, as, as Lagana mentioned, you know, that's the best stuff. That's the stuff you should be writing your TV around. Instead, I think what you're seeing more more of that style of television pr production, even within the WWE, is uh, on the Performance uh, Center YouTube channel. They they they're doing a tremendous. They job would on definitely that. capture stuff like this. You see, like Kyrie Saints goodbye to NXT. You know, like all this stuff that that feels real is captured by again this new regime that seems to be you know waiting in the wings um, that that Triple H is being put is putting together. But it's it's far different and I think we're still quite a ways away from it at least with the main roster is, is concerned right and um, just lastly I just wanted to completely agree with you guys I think you had mentioned this on Monday why not make this thing exactly like the NFL draft like I thought they did a really good job a couple of years ago 
with making that like this is a draft like this is people are actually worried where they're going and just completely steal that concept and i think it would be a lot more clear and it'd be cool it'd be fun yeah i think i think sometimes it comes down to um maybe sometimes an aversion to making it too sports-like in presentation i think audiences respond very well when you see that the authors of this content take something with such care and seriousness that it translates. You emphasize how important something is to your audience. I think they're going to respond in kind. I mean, we talk about the Cody Nick Aldis uh, buildup. Like, that was treated, like, of the utmost importance to these guys fighting for that title. And the audience got sucked up in that story. And it was an, an enormous payoff at the end at All In. And I think that you can... You, you don't have to take... Uh, a complete sports-like approach, but you can take the principles that can seamlessly weave their way over to your version of storytelling that I think are to your benefit. And I think the draft, this current concept, it kind of lacks that that importance that it could it could really be a shot in the arm every year for both brands to go through this and present it in such a way that it, that it means something to the audience that it did in years past. Yeah, I agree. That's what I thought it was going to be this year, and I was a little disappointed. But uh, anyway, thank you so much for taking my call, guys. Uh, Thanks a lot, Paul. Thanks. Thanks, Paul. Um, yeah. Uh, if there are any more calls, maybe we'll we'll uh, we'll, we'll answer them. But if not, um, any any other thoughts on anything we discussed today, John, or, or anything in the news? Uh, what do you think about Starcast announcing that this year they are going to present the roast of Ric Flair? The roast of Ric Flair. Uh, is that the big announcement? Uh, they announced that today. I don't know if there have been any other announcements since we've been uh, talking for a long time now. Okay. Um, I think that'll be great. I think uh, it'll be... <laughs> Would you order that awesome. if it was streaming? Not really. It's not enough. No, it's not It's not a... a, a I don't know if I'd, I'd order any type of roast via streaming, but if I was there, I think it would. sounds like a good time. Sure. Let's do one more call before we wrap up. The hey, show. Roberto Macias, what is going on? Hey guys, what's going on? How you doing? Doing um, very well. I good. Um, I have zero faith in the WWE being able to do anything ratings wise on Fox. Um, mm. So I guess my question is, what does that Fox deal look like if they're still losing twenty five percent of their audience year after year? Well, I think that you're. I think when they move to Fox, I think that there will be an initial um, curiosity just in the fact of what is the new show going to look like. And obviously, there's going to be so much promotion that goes into that launch. Like I expect uh, throughout September, like Fox is really going to ramp that up. And you also have the benefit of the fact that NFL football is starting in September and this is a Fox Sports property. So it's going to be pushed very hard. Um, you know, if if they're doing... Ultimately, it's going to come down to Fox believing what is what is the performance of SmackDown versus the money that we are putting into it. This is a cheaper program than a than a scripted drama series that is, you know, an enormous amount. But that said, like this is a significant deal for Fox. So I think there's going to be lots of uh, leeway. But if it's not performing at a level, I, I don't doubt that they're going to look at FS1 and make that pivot of SmackDown if it's uh, continual drops. Uh, the question will be, what is that threshold that they're willing uh, to accept on Friday nights in primetime? 
So it, it's, I, it's a lot of questions that you really can't pin down this early. Like, let's say we do get to that that danger zone where, you know, they might be in danger of getting off a of fox. How, what are kind of like the emergency tactics they will use to uh, fill SmackDown to make it feel like a more must-see show? I mean, I imagine we'll kind of see a lot of like, you know, more of the balance shift towards SmackDown as being like the, the, the more important show anyway. But how will it affect Raw if, let's say, you know, um, SmackDown needs all the stars? What's Raw going to look like uh, afterwards? Are we going to get rid of the brand split entirely if, if they get to that point? I, I think that they would go to every length to boost uh, boost up SmackDown if it was, you know, by week three, if they're struggling. Yeah, I don't think they're going to have any hesitation about we have all these stars on Raw that we're maintaining this fictional brand split over to not put them on Fridays. I think it'll be all hands on deck. I think the McMahons will be thrown at like they will do everything to because it's really important that they do well on Fox. So I, I wouldn't even fault them if they were um, kind of sacrificing their brand split to make sure that there's that audience on Friday. The question is, are these Band-Aid solutions yeah. and you're going to run out of them? You, there's only so many times you can put all your talent on Raw or have Vince McMahon come out before there's a certain level of diminishing returns. And who are those stars, though? Because if I mean... I don't think anybody on the current roster is really a needle mover like that because if that was the case, the ratings wouldn't be dropping the way they're dropping. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing they'd have to bring back Cena or try to, try to get The Rock or Austin and, and some names from the past because there's not really any, anybody – yeah, on the those, and those are all those are all like one week bandits. Yeah, yeah, right. exactly. So, right. so, I mean, it's ultimately going to come down to you know Fox. Like maybe they're if if they get two million viewers a week, maybe they're happy with that on on Friday night for what their investment is, what kind of advertising that they're getting for this show. They may be happy with that. Uh, but if the expectation is we want three million viewers on Friday night, uh, that's that's a tough task to to ask of a show that's doing that this week did. Uh, 2.1 million viewers. Right, right. Exactly. And you're moving to Fridays from Tuesday, which is going to be um, a, a, an issue as well. So anyway, uh, anything Thanks. else, Roberto? No, that's it. Cool. Well, Thank thanks, a, thanks a lot for the call. All right. Yeah. Well, this uh, has been a fun show. Yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciate the, uh, the the calls from everybody. A lot more uh, interactive. This is amazing. We get uh, these many calls, Yeah, um, especially um, at the end. Unfortunately, uh, not enough time to maybe go through everybody, but um, let's uh, let's try this again next week. Absolutely. Uh, we will be back on the Cafe Hangout next week, and we're going to be joined once again by Brandon Howard from WrestleNomics Radio and Fightful. He's going to be chatting. Uh, next week is the WWE's earnings call, which is always interesting, and uh, we'll be chatting with Brent Brandon <clears throat> about that next week. Is that the full name? Brandon... <coughs> You know, it's Brandon from New Jersey just naturally gets me choked up with his name. Brandon Howard Thurston from WrestleNomics. Correct. So he will be on the show next week. And maybe Brandon from New Jersey on the show as well next week. All, all, only Brandons can call in next only week. Only Brandons. Yeah. Uh, from New Jersey, Thurston, uh, Walsh. Yeah. Um, any others? Any other Brandons that you know? I don't know any other Brandons than that. That's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. Alrighty. Yeah. All right. Thanks to everyone for tuning in and uh, go on over to postwrestling.com. And that's it. I have nothing else to plug.